Hello, welcome to the podcast of Ray Hampton Outreach Ministries. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray Hampton. Hey, I want to have a message I want to bring you today titled, I'm Not Ashamed of the Gospel. Did you know while the Apostle Paul was in prison, he wrote Timothy a letter because he felt that Timothy might be ashamed to proclaim Christ? And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 12, the letter says as follows. That is why I remind you to fan into the flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, the special endowment, which is in you through the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, about me, his prisoner. But with me, take your share of suffering for the gospel. Continue to preach regardless of the circumstances in accordance with the power of God. For his power is invisible. For he delivered us, and he saved us and called us with a holy calling, a calling that leads to a consecrated life, a life set apart, a life of purpose. Not because of our works or because of any personal merit, we could do nothing to earn this, but because of his own purpose and grace, his amazing undeserved favor, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began, eternal ages ago. But now that extraordinary purpose and grace has been fully disclosed and realized by us through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who through his incarnation and earthly ministry abolished death, making it a null and void, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of his good news regarding salvation. This is why I suffer as I do. Still, I'm not ashamed, for I know him and I am personally acquainted with him, whom I have believed with absolute trust and confidence in him and in the truth of his deity. And I am persuaded beyond any doubt that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day when I stand before him. Just read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 12 in an Amplified Version. As we look at our main scripture for today, which is going to be Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Get some time, get that scripture, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also the Greek. Now, I want to share with you today, for those of you that are listening here on the podcast, that the gospel will do at least two things. Number one, the gospel, it brings out a shaming behavior in those who will not believe it. Again, number one, the gospel, it brings out shaming behavior in those who will not believe it. Number two, it gives freedom from shame to those who do believe it. So as we go back to number one and two, the gospel will do at least two things. 
Number one, it brings out shaming behavior in those who will not believe it. Underline that if you're writing, will not believe it. And number two, it gives freedom from shame to those who do believe it. Underline who do believe it. And so now we understand what Paul was talking about. But as we look at a background of this whole message of Romans chapter 116, um, I want to paint a picture for you. And because of their lack of size and popularity and honor in Rome and having no power or influence, Christians were tempted to be ashamed of the gospel message of Christ. So we must understand why did Paul say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Again, because of their lack of size, popularity, and honor in Rome, and having no power or of influence, Christians were tempted to be ashamed of the gospel message of Christ. But Paul told them that it was nothing to be ashamed of, because it is the gospel message itself that carries the power of God that brings people to salvation. Let me say that again. The gospel message is nothing to be ashamed of because Paul told them that it was nothing to be ashamed of because it is the gospel message itself that carries, underline this, the power of God that brings people to salvation. Paul had no other agenda but to see the kingdom of God proclaimed throughout the world. His desires as an apostle was to encourage the Christians in Rome, but their faith also inspired and strengthened him as well. So we see we have two-way street here. Paul, he didn't have an agenda. Only agenda he had was to see the kingdom of God proclaimed. That's what Paul wanted, to see the kingdom of God proclaimed. But his desire as an apostle was to, first of all, encourage the Christians in Rome. But in return, while he was encouraging the Christians in Rome, their faith also inspired and strengthened him as well. Now, since Paul was ordained by Christ, he was under obligation to do the work. Since Paul was ordained by Christ under obligation to do the work. You must understand those of us that have been ordained into the ministry, we have an obligation to do the work of Christ. Our ministry assignment that he has put on each one of us. But one of the major questions we see that stands out in the text is, why would Paul preach the gospel to people who were already Christians? Let me say that again. One of the major questions that we have here, why would Paul preach the gospel to people who were already Christians? Well, the answer to this question is because to Paul, the gospel is not just a call to salvation, but also a call to action. Paul's mission was to get the gospel out to everyone that he came in contact with. I want you to take note on that. Why would Paul preach the gospel to people who were already Christians? The answer is very simple. The question, answer to that question is because to Paul, the gospel is not just a call to salvation, but also a call to action. Paul's mission was to get the gospel out to everyone that he came in contact with. Believing and preaching the gospel constantly put Paul in a bad light. It constantly stirred up other people to shame Paul. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, it gives us a list of ways that Paul was shamed in ministry of the gospel. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. 
and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It read as follows. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure in prisons, more frequently in deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, one stone. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils in the false brethren. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, 26. So we can see what Paul, things that he went through. But when we look at the words that I am not ashamed of the gospel. So what does it really mean? Again, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So let's look at the following here. And I want you to take notes on the following. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The word translated ashamed means disgraced or personally humiliated. A person ashamed in this way is like someone single out for misplacing his confidence. He trusted in something and that something let him down. When Paul says that he is not ashamed of the gospel, what he is saying is that his confidence in the gospel is not misplaced and there is no disgrace in declaring the gospel. So this is how you know when he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. How do you know if you are ashamed of the gospel? Now, I just shared the one version, but how do you know if you are ashamed of the gospel? And I hope you got a pen and pencil, some paper, you got your iPad, cell phone, whatever you're doing to take notes. It's very important that you take notes on this podcast um, or replay it because I really want you to grab this. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ podcast message today. How do you know if you are ashamed of the gospel? Number one, you are ashamed of the gospel when you allow sin to control your life. You are ashamed of the gospel when you allow sin to control your life. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 6, verse 12 to 14. Reading from the NLT, Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 14. Reading from the NLT, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your body, use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Number two, how do you know if you are ashamed of the gospel? Number two, you are ashamed of the gospel when you disobey the word of God. Highlight that. You are ashamed of the gospel when you disobey the word of God, which shows a lack of trust and confidence in the word of God. Proverbs chapter three, verse five to six in the message translation read as follows. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Wow, that's good stuff. So number one, as we go over it again, how do you know if you are ashamed of the gospel? 
Number one is when you allow sin to control your life. Number two, two is when you disobey the word of God. How do you know if you're not ashamed of the gospel? So we just dealt with the subject, how do you know if you're ashamed of the gospel? But how do we know if you're not ashamed of the gospel? Number one, but to live not ashamed of the gospel means that you allow it to dominate your life to the extent that everyone you come in contact with can see that you are a follower of Jesus. Number two, you, for you to live not ashamed of the gospel means that your life is an example of the word of God and you consistently proclaim it to others. Now I'm going to go over um, number one and two. How do you know if you're not ashamed of the gospel? Number one, catch this, but to live not ashamed of the gospel again means that you allow it to, here's the key words, dominate your life to the extent that everyone you come in contact with can see that you are a follower of Jesus. Again, number two, for you to live not ashamed of the gospel means that your life is an example of the word of God and you consistently proclaim it to others. So we go from how I am not ashamed of the gospel. And then Paul says, why? Because it is the power of God. The question is, why is the gospel the power of God? The gospel is the power of God because it has the ability to reproduce itself and not have to depend on no other source. Man, that is great stuff right there. I don't know about you, but I feel the power of God right in the presence where I'm at now. I want to read this again. What is the power of God? The answer is very simple. The gospel is the power of God because it has the ability to reproduce itself and not have to depend on another source. So let's take a look at a few scriptures on what the power of the gospel does. Number one, the power of the gospel. Now we know the word gospel simply means what? Good news. The gospel is not bad news. So I want to take a look at a few scriptures on what the power of the gospel does. And I want you to take notes of this. Number one, it gives you freedom. Number one, it gives you freedom. If we take a look at John chapter eight, verse 31 to 36, John chapter eight, verse 31 to 36, it says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believe him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answer him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. John chapter eight, verse 31 to 36. Number two, we look at first Peter chapter one, verse 23 Amplified Virgin, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. So number two, um, what is the power of the gospel? What the power of gospel does? Number two, it produces new birth in a person that's willing to believe in Jesus. The scripture says as following, for you have been born again, that is reborn from above, 
spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. Man, that's good. Not of seed which is perishable, but from that which is imperishable and immortal, that is through the living and everlasting word of God. So what does the power of the gospel do? Let's rehash it. Let's go back. Number one, it will give you freedom. John chapter eight, verse 31 to 36. Number two, it produces new birth. First Peter chapter one, verse 23. So now we take a look at number three, the power of the gospel. It gives salvation to those that has believed in his name. Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. It says in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result, believe in him, were stamped with the seal of promise, Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. So number three, our last one, it gives salvation. That's what the power of the gospel does. It gives salvation to those who has believed in his name. When you look at the word salvation, uh, it said it is the power unto salvation. Did you know that when you were converted, it also comes with a change of character? Man, this is a good place for you to take some notes. Highlight this. When you are converted, it also comes with a change in your character. Number two, when you are reverted, it is when you return to a previous practice. When you are reverted, it is when you are returned to a previous practice. Number three, when you are diverted, it means that you have changed the course you were on and went another direction. Now, th this is great. I'm going to give you this one more time because I really feel that it's important that you understand the difference. When you are converted, it also comes with a change in your character. When you are reverted, it is when you return to a previous practice. When you are diverted, means that you have changed the course you were on and you have went another direction. This is great. This is great stuff. You know, at the conclusion tonight, for those of you that are listening, you know, I do have a conclusion. I want to give you some bad news to give to someone today. It states in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all the sin and fallen short of the glory of God, which means that you need to realize that you are a sinner separated from God by your sins. And not only is that bad news, but I have some worse news to give you, which is in Romans chapter three, verse 10, where it says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. Which means that there is nothing that you can do to make yourself acceptable to God. But are you ready for this? I gave you some bad news and worse news, but watch this. I have some good news I want to give you. The good news is located in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 says that if you confess your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But you thought the good news is good? The best news is in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, where it says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, if you call on the name of Jesus, you can be saved today. 
Don't think one second about if your sins could be forgiven. Listen, there's enough room for your sins to be given today. Believe me, there's plenty room for your sins to be given. How do I know? Because in Micah chapter 7, verse 19, it says, He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. I personally really like what the New Living Translation says about our sins, that they are not just cast away into the sea, but they're cast away into the ocean. So when we look at Micah chapter 7, verse 19, again in the New Living Translation, it reads, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw it into the depths of the ocean. So the difference of not just the sea, but guess what? Your sins is thrown into the depths of the ocean. The difference between a sea and an ocean, there is a difference, and I want to share with you, is that an ocean is a vast and continuous frame of salty water that shelters almost 70% of the total Earth's surface, while a sea is a large body of saline water that occupies a greater part of the world's surface, but is smaller than an ocean. So don't worry, there is enough room for all your sins to go. Now, that's great news. So there's nothing you have to worry about. Give your life to the Lord today, right now, because there's nothing for you to worry about. There's plenty rooms and not just the sea, but the ocean for all your sins. Acts chapter four, verse 12, Amplified says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among people by which we must be saved. For God has provided the world an alternative for salvation. I want to thank you for joining in today to Ray Hampton Outreach Ministry um, to our podcast. I pray that you enjoy the message on today. Um, pass it on. Let people know about this podcast and uh, the message, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Well, at this time, if you like to help us financially, your financial generosity is much appreciated um, to help us carry the good news of the gospel to every individual that we come encounter with. You can do this by going to the website at rayhampton.com. Again, that's rayhampton.com. You can give online to one of our outreaches. Um, any financial generosity would be appreciated. Or you can give through Venmo at Dr. Ray Hampton. That's D-R. R-A-Y-H-A-M-P-T-O-N or Cash App. That's right. We got Cash App as well. That's Dr. Ray Hampton, D-R-R-A-Y-H-A-M-P-T-O-N. So through our website, through Venmo, through Cash App, your financial generosity is much appreciated to help us to continue to help people and teach them how to engage, be power and equip for evangelism. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight, um, today, whenever you listen to this podcast. And for your financial donation of any amount, also, if you'd like to purchase our book on salvation, it's also available on the website. Have a great day. May God bless you. And remember, get out of your seat, on your feet, and in the streets, and go preach the gospel. God bless you. Well, hello, everyone. This is Dr. Ray Hampton of Ray Hampton Outreach Ministries. I want to thank you for tuning in today to our podcast. 
have a great message that has definitely been designed for you to be equipped and empowered for evangelism and outreach. And share this with other people. Let them know about the Ray Hampton Outreach Ministry Podcast. I believe we want to teach people how to be engaged, equipped, and empowered for evangelism. The message today is titled, The Lending and Interest Benefit System of God. The Lending, Interest, and Benefit System of God. Basically, the message title tonight is Lending a Helping Hand. We're starting out at James chapter 2, verse 14, 17 in the message. James chapter 2, verse 14, 17 in the message. It says, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does really talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Now that preaches right there by itself. We have, we live in a day a lot of people have a lot of God talks, but there's no action behind what they say. It's important that you have action behind what you say. Evangelism is the backbone of the church. And we have to realize evangelism, when it dies and it's a non-effect in the church, it is such a backbone. It's like having your spine and your back hurting in your body. It will throw your whole body off a track. The ultimate goal as a believer that we have is to produce eternal life through individuals by presenting them the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has been said throughout the years, whatever you make happen for others, God will allow it to happen for you. I want you to take that note again. Whatever you make happen for others, God will allow it to happen for you. It's vitally important that you always have a spirit a serving with your palms down instead of always having your palms up, always looking for what other people can do for you. You see, God has the best lending and interest system that has ever been created. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, in the Amplified, it says, Withhold not good from those to whom it is due, it is rightful owners, when it is in the power of your hands to do it. We're talking today about lending a helping hand, the lending part of God. Proverbs chapter three, verse 27, amplified. Let's read it again. Withhold not good from those to whom it is due, its rightful owners, when it is in the power of your hands to do it. When it's in your power, your hands to do it, don't hold back of what God has called you to do for other people. If God has given you something and given you a tool as something to bless somebody with and you just hold it and put a tight squeeze on it and don't give it out. God said it is in your power to hold it out and give it to that individual. Proverbs chapter three, verse 27, verse 29. We look in the message translation. It says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hands for that person. I have to say that again. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time or try me tomorrow when the money's right, they're in your pocket. 
Don't figure ways of taking advantage of your neighbor when he's sitting there trusting and unsuspecting. You see, he who has pity on the poor lives to the Lord and the Lord will pay back what he has given according to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. So when it's in your hands to help another person, the scripture says that we ought to do what's in our hands and what we have to help other individuals. Proverbs 19, 17, again, says he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. We're talking about the lending system. Lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. My question to you today is, have you ever loaned someone some money and they didn't pay you back? Well, whenever you take care of others, God will always pay you back. You don't got to worry about of God chasing God down. God will always pay you back when you take care of others. You'll never have to chase him down. His loans are always guaranteed. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, again, as we look at the message translation, it says, mercy to the needy is a loan to God. We're still talking about lending. Mercy to the needy is a loan to God, and God pays back those loans in full. So now that's the lending system of God. So what is the interest system of God? Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. I'm reading from the ESV. The interest system of God. The scripture reads as follows. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do not let, come on, watch this. Don't let nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you, not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Now, I love the way the ESV we put this in scriptures, and I feel that I want to read this again because we talk so much about the lending. I want you to see the interest, and I'm going to break this down for you. So let's look at this scripture one more time, the first four verses. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, any participation in spirit, any affection and sympathy, and complete my joy by being of the same mind. He says, complete my joy by being of what? The same mind. Having what? The same love. Being in full accord of what? One mind. So we see same mind, same love, but one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others. Here, this is important. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. We're talking about the interest system of God. Now, in that message translation of the same verse, it reads as follows. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be de-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. 
Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Wow, this is great stuff. This is the interest of God. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, 18. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed in truth. Man, the this, this scripture really points this out really good to us. If, any, if anybody, anyone, any individual, any man or woman has world goods and you see the person in need, but you close your heart against that individual, how can you say that God love abide in yourself? How do you say you abide in God's love is when you see someone that might need a blanket. They might need some shoes. They might need help financially. They might need counseling even through their marriage or relationship. They might be um, have a problem with drug activity or alcohol. Whatever the situation might be, how can you bypass that individual and say you have the love of Christ? Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13 reads, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. That's a horrible thing. Is when you close your ear to the cry of the poor, to the person that's sleeping out on the street, to the person that's in need, the person you run past in the grocery store, someone that is disadvantaged, when you close your ear to that individual, yourself will call out one day and not be answered, according to what the scripture says. Your ear should always be open to the cry of the poor. As a believer in Jesus, you are called to love and not judge. The interest. Now we've looked at the lending. We've taken a look at the interest system. Now let's look at the benefit system of God. We're still talking about lending and helping hand. Psalms chapter 103 verses 1-2. The 103 3rd chapter verses 1-2 of Psalms read, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his name, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord has a benefit package for myself and for you and everyone. You can, but you have to continue to bless the Lord with everything that you have. And as you bless the Lord, don't forget his benefits. Psalms chapter 68, verse 19. Psalm 68, verse 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits who daily loads us with benefits. My question is, how many of you want to get loaded and stay loaded with God's benefits? I'm talking about the benefits of God. And I don't know about you, but every day I want to be loaded with the benefits of God. You mean all I have to do is give God some praise and I can be loaded, Dr. Hampton, with the benefits of God? That's what I'm saying. You saying all I got to do is wake up in the morning, read my scripture, and bless the Lord with my mouth, with everything I have, and God will load me with the, his benefits. Dr. Hampton, that's what I'm saying. You see, when you continue to open up your mouth and you bless the Lord, he will load you with benefits. And scripture says his daily benefits. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. 
Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. But the body we're talking about is Christ's body today of chosen people. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8 in the message. I want to read you this before we close today. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. It reads, in this way, we're like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole. Nothing the other way around. The body we're talking about here is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't mount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellent form and marvelous functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we are not. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you encourage guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes up open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8, I've read you tonight. But I'm going to share with you, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, today is a good time to accept Christ in your life. So I have some bad news I want to give to you today. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means that you need to realize that you are a sinner separated from God by your sins. And not only is that bad news, but the worst news is in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, which means that there is nothing that you can do to make yourself acceptable to God. But the good news is located in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, where it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. According to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. But wait a minute. Before we go, I do want to, I've given you worse news and bad news. I've given you good news, but I got better news for you today. And the better news is located in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, where it says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, when you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you can be saved today. Don't think one second about if your sins could be forgiven. All your sins has been forgiven. I want to thank you for tuning in today to Ray Hampton Outreach Ministry Podcast. If you would like to help us financially, your generosity financially will be a big help to help us teach people how to engage, be equipped, and empowered for evangelism. All you have to do is go to our website at www.rayhampton.com. Yep, just rayhampton.com. Go there for any financial donation will be appreciated. Also, we got our brand new book on salvation, 
Feel free to purchase that book. Will also help us continue to teach people how to engage, be equipped and empowered for evangelism. Engage, equipped, and empowered for evangelism. If you like to go give through Venmo, you can give through Venmo or Cash App. Either one, Venmo or Cash App, by looking at the dollar sign for Cash App, dollar sign Dr. Ray Hampton. That's dollar sign D R R A Y. H-A-M-P-T-O-N, dollar sign Dr. Ray Hampton on Cash App, and Venmo is simply, again, Dr. Ray Hampton. And the state before, go to the website and get that new book on salvation, Go Stop Salvation. It will continue to help us bless other people. Well, have a great day. Share this podcast with others. We hope you were blessed. And again, thank you in advance for your financial generosity. For those of you that don't like to give online, the address you can mail to is also right there on the website at P.O. Box 591004. You can see it right there on the website, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33359. God bless you. Continue to have a great day.